Mechanical Freak, a podcast from the city of the future on the bleeding edge of neoliberal dystopia today. And uh, we, Greg, we have a special guest today. Don't we, we do. I'm very uh, excited to introduce Sydney Durkin, a Starbucks barista and union organizer. They're unionizing the Broadway and Denny Starbucks with uh, Starbucks Workers United. Sydney. Thanks for coming on. Uh, well, first off, thank you so much for having me. Super excited to be here. Um, you know, just right off the bat, uh, union, for or against? Um, that's going to be a hard yes. I think I'm for them. <laughs> uh, last I checked. Okay. Wow. Amazing. Well, I'm glad that is your answer because we like to share all viewpoints on this podcast. And for the back half of the episode, we have Howard Schultz booked or later tonight uh, to, to offer the opposing view. We need to get uh, both sides of the issue. So let's yeah. just hope he doesn't talk about the Holocaust. Let's just hope that. <laughs> and how and then equating how, how like you are basically the people who are in the camps, you know, like Starbucks <laughs> workers are the are the ones who are like going into the gas chambers <laughs> and how share, that makes you somehow a family. And it's so yeah, you share the blankets and that's, that's what's important. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I said this was going to be a friendly interview, but already I'm disagreeing with you. I hope he does show up and I hope he does say something that crazy at Broadway and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. Um, because it's just more fodder for us and um, they're already a walking PR nightmare. So what's another one? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, for, you know, uh, the content mill, all that kind of stuff is great. We'd, we'd like to see uh, some new, like, cra- weird old Grandpa Simpson stories from Uncle Howard uh, that we can recount, recount on this podcast. So, yeah, exciting times. Very. Hey. I'm uh, I'm really hoping that the store that he frequents uh, starts to unionize so we can get their stories about uh, old Uncle Howard. Oh yeah. And you know, we even, we even had um, a guest on who uh, happened to work at that uh, store. So, um, you know, she has actual stories from like seeing Howard Schultz, like walk in and everything. And oh my how, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll link that in the description. It's, it's, it's a fun, fun episode. So, um, so I guess you are on the pro side of union. So um, mm-hmm. I would like to ask just, you know, basically why, why do you need a union? I thought like Starbucks was a family. Like, couldn't you just like open a dialogue with Howard Schultz and, you know, you know, you could raise it with what you want. It's a family after all. Right. Yeah. Let me just email him right now. <laughs> uh, no. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, Cause this is kind of like the general kind of like bootlicker consensus is like, Oh, you know, why do you need a union? Like Starbucks is uh, such a great company. You know, we can all talk to each other and, it's still a company. This is still a hierarchy. This is still, um, you know, this is a Fortune 500 operation. This is a multi-billion dollar corporation. You, by nature of how corporations work, don't have my best interests at heart. And that's okay. You're a corporation. I don't trust you to. I don't want to trust you to. Um, I would rather trust someone who has my best interests at heart and is willing to advocate for me to kind of be that, quote unquote, scary middle man that you say disrupts the family. I want that. And I'm very much for um, an organized structure for workers to have a voice in how our daily operations actually work. You know, the people that 
make the rules that decide our wages, that decide our operating hours, don't work on the floor, don't have our jobs. And the only way that we're going to get a job that works for us, that has longevity, that ultimately can support us, is if we build something within our own vision by workers for workers. And that requires a union. Totally, totally. Well, that's, I mean, that sounds, that sounds great to me. And of course, like the classic union buster, I guess, line is that, oh, this is like a third entity who's just trying to like, you know, get in between, you know, what (laughs) in between management and workers and trying to like, you know, make us less innovative or whatever, like, but, you know, like you said, you know, these are uh, corporations who have the interest of shareholders. So it seems like, this union drive is about actually getting, you know, representation in an organization that, you know, employees could actually, you know, have a voice in what they do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really, um, especially for us. Um, I was talking about this earlier today with some people that came in and asked this, but our store doesn't really have a lot that's wrong with it. Our, or quote unquote wrong with it in the sense of like, a food service job or working at Starbucks. I mean, our standards are okay. It's really just about are the standards for the industry and standards for workers everywhere, are those okay? And the answer is just overwhelmingly, demonstrably no. And so we're really fighting for a brighter future, a better prospect for not only work Starbucks workers, baristas, food industry workers, but workers everywhere. And um, it's just really our hope that adding our voice to it shows others that it's possible. Well, that's awesome. And, and I like what you're saying about, you know, like actually, you know, this is a whole, you know, movement within Starbucks, not just location by location basis. So mm-hmm. I actually even want to take a step back and let's go all the way back to last year. Um, you know, at least like, you know, the rest of the world didn't even become aware that Starbucks workers in Buffalo were organizing to form a union. To what degree, you know, like was unionizing on your mind or on like the mind of like, you know, fellow workers, um, like what was like the temperature of like the Starbucks workers you knew uh, when you were like kind of starting this up? Yeah. So I think before Buffalo, it was just kind of always this almost sort of joke we passed around, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. what if we unionized um, uh, kind of like a pipe dream, but we were all pretty much for it. We, you know, obviously work and live the majority of us in Capitol Hill, which is a pretty little area. So most of us are coming into this background with a, you know, pro worker mindset already. Most of us have worked in food service for a very long time and sort of understand um, the trials and tribulations that go along with it. So we're already sort of susceptible to, Hey, maybe this could be better. Um, But once Buffalo announced, we kind of all started talking. Uh, We have, Um, and I'll get into this more later, but we were able to mobilize our store within the span of 48 hours between when we talked to union organizers and when we filed. Um, and that is really a kind of a number of factors that kind of led to that. We're a very tight knit team and we have fairly short hours. So we see each other a lot and we were kind of able to talk to each other about the news. Like, Hey, like, are you seeing this? How do you feel about it? Like what if we brought this here? And the consensus was always among our team overwhelmingly like, yes, bring me a card and I'll sign it was pretty much how people felt. Oh, and that's amazing. Um, yeah. So we were just really lucky. <laughs> 
Now, you mentioned talking to union organizers. I want to ask about that. Like, is that when you first found out when the Buffalo stores first announced? Is that when you found out that they were doing that when it was the headline, basically? Uh, no. So we actually um, waited a little bit. And um, so the timeline overall is that Buffalo announced and it took a while for other stores to uh, come out. Besides, I think there was one in Mesa, Arizona that came out pretty quickly after Buffalo. And then there were a few in um, I can't remember if Boston was right before or right after their election. But when this really caught fire, when we started to come on board with this was after um, the first successful elections in in, um, Buffalo, which was December 9th. Um, And so we, I remember we were all on the floor, all on our phones, watching that vote live, Mm. just, you know, like fingers crossed, like, can they pull this off? And Mm -hmm. it was just like such an exciting moment when we all saw that they did. And um, coincidentally, that next day, we had a captive audience union busting meeting with our district manager. (laughs) Um, And I don't know if they mobilized this nationwide, but they have certainly done this in Seattle where kind of during the election time, they got a lot of stores in these meetings with their district managers just to listen, just listening. Um, And ours was so frustrating because obviously they can't say it's about the union. They can't say it's about, Legally, I uh, guess they can't. Yeah, they legally they <laughs> yeah. can't say it's about the union. Um, but so there was just like no agenda. It was just very awkward. And it frustrated one of my other baristas so much that he reached out to Workers United that day. Okay. Oh, wow. So that almost that kind of accelerated the the unionization then. Oh, it, absolutely it did. <laughs> total backfire. Uh, well, another add another to backfire to like the list, like the Rolodex of backfires from Starbucks management at this point that, <laughs> that I think we've seen. <laughs> so this, yeah, I mean, this is kind of in line with what we talked about um, when we heard about the, uh, the whole like VIP tour of the Buffalo stores, like Howard Short's, Schultz telling inane stories um, that it seems Sweeping like being on the floor and stuff. Yeah, and like <laughs> sending, sending the bosses in to like pretend they have any use to humanity, like um, and like demonstrating how what useless morons they are to the people they're trying to get on. Like outside. further radicalizing people yeah. just with their presence. Completely. Wow, you make a thousand times more than me and you're too stupid to sweep a floor. Yes. You mean yes. Um, uh, so like this is kind of along these lines of like, it seems like up to that point, at least Starbucks was kind of throwing out like the typical corporate anti-union playbook and like really trying to stick with this like um, touchy feely, like, um, like, you know, let's, let's wrap, like sitting on the chair backwards and like, uh, youth pastor energy, like, you know, yeah, extreme like, youth pastor energy. This, oh Lord. This, yeah. You know, and like that seems to be fucking them up. And I, I guess I want to, and it sounds like that's a, you know, it's a hope. It's a cool thing that it seems to have also backfired in your case. Um, but you know, I guess I would say, that, you know, historically, the big white shoe law firm anti-union playbook like has worked in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that's sort of my theory is that Starbucks, at least up until these points in these situations, doesn't seem to have been following it. And I guess the question is, like, has that changed? Are they uh, beginning to use other tactics? 
Yeah, so they've been interesting, I think, with our store in particular. And I don't know what really they're thinking. We kind of toss this around a lot where we don't really, we're like sitting on the floor and we're all talking. We're like, what are they what's the strategy here? Like in what universe does this make any logical sense what they're doing? Um, Because on our situation, they left us alone for a very long time. So we filed on December 20th and they Mm -hmm. dropped off like a, Oh, you're unionizing. Oh, oh, interesting. (laughs) No, like here's the NRLB thing we have to post. It's Christmas Eve. We have nothing better to do than just check on how you're doing. Um, And then they kind of left us alone. And then they scheduled out for over a month in advance, all these store meetings that we were going to have that never manifested. And instead what they've done has has they've done these three-on-one corporate meetings where it's been my boss, her boss, and really just some random other store manager. None of us knew who he was, where they sit down and they're like, so how do you feel? What with are you your individually with, with each individual store employee? With each individual store employee. They do not do this to with me. We'll get to that. It's like, it's like a fucking interrogation. Yeah. You no, know. It, was. it was so disturbing. And I was so mad because I'm a, sh- I'm a shift supervisor and I was running the floor that day. And all day they just kept pulling off coverage to hold these union busting meetings that took like an hour apiece. And I was like, are you kidding me? And they just, of course, spread lies of, you know, like if the union wins, you know, you might lose your benefits. We're not telling you that you will because that's legal. But, you know, it's just a union contract and you don't know what's going to be in the union contract. So they might, you know, so, towing so basically, that line. basically it's uh, that that's a nice health insurance you got there. It would be a shame if uh, something happened to it. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's a threat. Exactly. And um, so they just did that to every single partner. And um Rather than doing that with me, and for context, um, I'm a union organizer publicly. My name's on the letter. Um, and I have some history with um, upper management. Uh, and so instead of having a three-on-one with me, I guess because, and all day I had in my mind sort of like, what would I say when they sat me down? Because I knew it was coming. And basically I had this fantasy in my head that I would sit down and I'd be like, okay, I know what this is about. You know what this is about. I know this is pointless. You know this is pointless. We're not going to change each other's minds. Nothing's going to be accomplished here. Can we move on? So I assume that's why they didn't have that conversation with me. And, <laughs> they also had that <laughs> conversation in their head. Yeah. Yeah. They're they have like, basically <laughs> like an organizing spreadsheet, like a union busting spreadsheet with every individual name. They saw yours. They saw Sydney and they were like, we're not going to waste time like on this one. <laughs> like we're not going <laughs> to. They didn't. And they, didn't. Um, they sat me down and they gave me a final written warning instead. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, this final written warning was for going to the trial that I was subpoenaed to be at. Interesting. That they were also at because it was about them. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So it was actually like a Starbucks uh, trial that you went to? Yeah. And they knew where I was going because we were all on the Zoom hearing. They were served the subpoena. But because I did not call the store and be like, hi, I'm in court today. I see you there. Hi. <laughs> they were like, um, it's a no call, no show. And even though you've never been written up for time and attendance at the store, um, it has to be a final written warning. 
And like it was wow. my district manager and my store manager. And um, yeah, that was the conversation we had. But everyone else got the routine union busting. But um, the whole serving final written warnings thing is a tactic they've been using nationwide, with you, especially with union organizers to harass and intimidate us. Okay, so that that is like that, more along the lines of like you know a traditional kind of union busting, um, yeah. you know, tactic. So that's mm-hmm. that's that's interesting to hear. Yeah, it's also the kind of thing that um, uh, unions uh, work hard to prevent, like uh, <laughs> you being able to be uh, reprimanded and fired for bullshit. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> uh, that's that's the state. Uh, most workers in America are in. They can be uh, tossed out on their ass from the only thing keeping them alive for uh, whatever the whims of the Jerichovs who run the place. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, are, can we ask what this, uh, I presume, civil trial was about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're doing it everywhere. They're doing this in every region that is filing. So it's, I assume it's no secret to them. Um Basically, what they're doing is so individual stores are filing on behalf of their individual bargaining unit, which is their store. Uh-huh. And that's completely illegal. Obviously, there's, you know, 50 years of legal precedence. That's completely illegal. And Starbucks is coming in and saying, no, 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 no. Our stores are so interconnected by districts, which are arbitrary right. things we make up and change every year. But they matter so much that, you know, individual stores have no power and it's all about the district. So the entire district should be able to vote, even though that would completely nullify your individual store petition. See, we're just trying to represent everyone. By representing no one. So they're basically like gerrymandering, like attempting to gerrymander the the union vote, essentially. Yeah, basically. um, And (laughs) they won't even be able to successfully gerrymander the union vote if they won this court case, which they have to prove not only that um, an individual store is somehow an inappropriate bargaining unit, um, despite the fact that it legally is appropriate. They then have to prove that the district is the appropriate bargaining unit, which it's not. So they can't. Uh, basically so this is okay okay so you're confident that this is probably not going to uh, succeed then no i'm, I'm confident it's just this, a stalling this being tactic. The, yeah a stalling tactic right like yeah, I mean, and this, this yeah. being like the court challenge by the way not the <laughs> union drive yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean this that this again is more in line with the standard like uh anti-union law firm tactics you know yeah uh, and they have so literal, they, they've gotten lit- smart uh, yeah. I'm going to butcher this no matter how many times I try. They have Little or Mendelssohn, um, which is obviously like a pretty prolific anti-union law firm Mm -hmm. on their side. And they're paying them millions and millions of dollars to fight, you know, what is now 50 plus legal battles for them. Well, yeah, you say 50 plus because, um, you know, just today it seems like the union push spread to 54 stores in 19 states, uh, Mm -hmm. which is just like really phenomenal to me to see. And I think, you know, this is just my observation and I want to hear what your take is on this. But it seems like, you know, for it seems like the conditions for, you know, Starbucks workers to unionize, it seems like those conditions were there for a while. But it feels like this chain reaction, like when someone actually like one bargaining unit, essentially, or one store proves that this is possible. It mm-hmm. actually seems like it has inspired nationwide, you know, other 
you know, workers to rise up very rapidly and, you know, mm-hmm. do this too, right? Because I mean, Star- I mean, Starbucks has been around forever. I mean, this is pretty unprecedented, right? So, but just within the last month, like, you know, we're yeah. seeing 54 stores in 19 states. So this seems like it's sweeping. Like, is this, um, is this like a, do you see this like exponentially growing? Like, is this like what we could typically expect from maybe like large corporations? Like, you know, when like a union drive is like successful or like inspired or uh, I just want to hear like yeah. your take on that because 54 stores is really impressive. Yeah, no, I definitely think that's the case. And I really think it all it took was just one store to prove it was possible. Because I think, you know, all of us for so long, we're just told, we just kind of had it in our hearts that, you know, this isn't possible. No one else would be on my, our side. It's just a pipe dream. I can't organize this many people. How am I supposed to talk to people about this? You know, you just, you, you don't really have the resources on your own. But then, and I have talked to people in Buffalo and I still don't understand how they managed to do this, how to be the first ones to show everyone that, hey, you know, it is possible. You know, you just have to reach out and talk to your peers and make these conversations happen. And I think once, once you see someone do it, it becomes a lot less mythical and a lot more practical. Mm. It, when you see, you know, like this is a store just like my store with people just like me doing this, then what's stopping like me from doing it in my store? Totally. And I think a lot of people are coming to that same realization, you know, like what's stopping us why not us? As, as Russell Wilson says, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it's an inspiration seeing uh, this happen across the country uh, in Buffalo. I, I want to know to what degree also it's an act of direct solidarity. I'm wondering at what point in their um, drive did you or other workers from your store actually start talking to the workers in Buffalo? Yeah. So, um, December 10th was the day we had that captive audience meeting. And, um, I believe my coworker reached out that week and we had a meeting set up for that next, that following Friday, which is when we talked to workers from Buffalo. We talked to, um, one of, one of the organizers that works for workers United. And then one of the baristas who, um, organized in Buffalo. And I, we were able to talk with them and, in that conversation, it really did feel like doing this was not only in a direct act of solidarity, solidarity, it was a necessary act of solidarity. Mm-hmm. I really felt like if we had the resources and we had the um, backing, which we did, that we had almost an obligation to show up for our partners in Buffalo and continue mm-hmm. to build momentum if we wanted to see any sort of change and if we wanted to build on what they had brought to us it and it kind of became like a real sticking point for us to mobilize as quickly as possible and to make sure that they didn't lose um any momentum but just continue to build it and you know if we could be one more voice that's what we wanted to do nice uh, that's beautiful um the time to strike is when the iron is hot and Mm -hmm. uh and you know all these announcements uh i'm sure uh, talking to other people who are organizing, you know, it's uh, an encouraging act of solidarity. It's also uh, going to stretch the resources of Starbucks to do the union busting, or at least, I mean, 
their law firms are going to have just a lot more billable hours. Uh, so, yeah, and we always, you know, sit around and wonder, like, at what point do you just give up? Like, what point do you say, like, this is unstoppable? Or what point do you stop filing the same lawsuit in every single precinct? Like, at what point do your resources become drained at such a rate that you even you can't keep up with, you know? Well, this is why corporations work so hard to keep uh, any union drive from ever happening in the first place and go. This is why Amazon went to extraordinary and blatantly illegal lengths to keep the union drive in Bessemer from being successful because when it's shown uh, to be the case that it can happen, then they've lost a major advantage and it can turn into this kind of avalanche. Well, yeah, but I mean, and also though, like we shouldn't downplay that even like within Buffalo, like, you know, they were trying to, they were relocating a lot of, uh, you know, sort of managers or people who were at least like employees who were like management friendly, trying to basically like pack the, vote you know to i think yeah. like what like mm-hmm. staff like doubled overnight or something yeah, like staff that would, staff would double overnight they hired on a huge slew of new partners they rearranged a lot of partners um they were they did a lot of you know the same things with like final written warnings um just really being intimidating to um especially union leaders i think what they did a lot of what kind of you're describing the more like gentle kind of friendly, like, Oh, we're a family approach. They do that with a lot of partners. They think they can sway. Mm. If they, mm-hmm. if you, if they think for a second that they can get under your skin, they'll be very nice to you with a lot of promises, a lot of, Oh, you'll get a raise. Oh, you'll get health insurance. Oh, you'll get this. Remember what we do for you. Um, but the second they think that you're unwinnable, they come in more with the strict union busting, Mm-hmm. Mm. So how did so okay? You had a small unit, and you've said like um, that this was genuinely something people were in favor of. Like, what was the process of organizing to tell? I mean, tell us to what degree did you have to inoculate people, or did you go through the motions of doing that? Like, to what degree did everyone have to l- learn ahead of time about what Starbucks was likely to do and threaten and? Uh, and what, what, what was that like for, uh, your unit? Definitely. Um, I was definitely more prepared to have to do a lot more of that, but a lot of our staff had been kind of keeping up with that on their own, which was great. Mm -hmm. Um, but definitely when we handed out the cards, which was over a weekend, you know, I kind of, as I went up to everyone was like, Hey, you know, like this, this is going to fuck up your life. Like if you sign this card, like you are inviting a certain level of chaos into your life that you are not experiencing right now. Mm -hmm. And that's a fact. Like these people are going to come in. They're going to make your life a living hell. They're going to intimidate you. They're going to say everything they can to get you to vote. No, they're going to threaten anything they can to get you to vote. No. And they're going to make promises they can't keep. Um, But I didn't really have to finish that thought. A lot of the time people were so eager to sign it anyway. And, um, they just didn't care. They were like, yeah, sure. Whatever they want to do to me, I'll sign the card. Um, was kind of the general consensus, but, and even then a lot of what we predicted would happen, we've gotten like a fraction of what we thought we would get. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, frankly, yeah. we, the response has been kind of lazy. 
they're stretched too thin. Yeah. Hey, you know, maybe there, there is like a critical mass there, uh, you know, which is, which is awesome. Um, we thought they'd pay like attention to us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You would think it's right in the, you know, in the core, right? Like, you know, (laughs) you know, it's another thing you brought up that, uh, you know, the people in your unit had been following what was going on in Buffalo and Mm -hmm. that in itself, just sort of following the details of that, hearing ahead of time, all the wacky shit that the corporate was trying to pull Mm -hmm. is uh, an immunity and inoculation in itself. Um, Again, another reason for everyone to be doing this at the same time, uh, which I guess is, you know, should be self-evident as that's really the point of uh, organized labor. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, also I'm curious, just like, you know, unionizing doesn't like, of course, like the main thing that I think comes to people's mind is like, you know, wages rising, but it's also um, probably more than that too, in some cases, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, do you know, like, what's the, like for, okay, for your specific bargaining unit, do you have like an idea of like the specific demands that are laid out? Like kind of what are like some, you know, other things that a union can bring to a table other than just like, you know, either like healthcare and like, you know, um, wages rising, like what is, uh, what is like your bargaining for? But is there like also just a temperature overall, like in like nationally with Starbucks and like, you know, uh, of what demands are being made? Yeah, totally. Um, So there's definitely a national and a local component to this. Um, And I think kind of the goal with Starbucks Workers United is to have that kind of national arm that has um, like negotiating power for a national contract that will deal with things like wages, healthcare, uh, things like that. And then also a lot of power will be left to obviously local representatives that can fight for things that are store or region specific. And I know for us being in downtown Seattle, safety is a huge concern. Um, we had a partner who was actually punched in the face by a customer recently. Oh my gosh. Um, I've been threatened. Um, I've been, um, lunged at, I have witnessed partners being assaulted. I've witnessed customers being assaulted. Um, it, it's just kind of unsafe. And we're in a, we're in a lucky situation right now because our lobby is closed due to COVID. It's much, much worse when the lobby is open. And something that we have really wanted for a long time is something like a security guard just to watch over us, to keep us safe, because we're not paid to be baristas and social workers and police officers and all these other things that we're being asked to do with um, Starbucks's current policies. And there's like a person like I'm so happy to be an open door for people. And I'm so happy that Starbucks does that, but Starbucks doesn't give us the resources to stay safe in that situation. And so we've simply asked, hey, can we have someone to help us stay safe? And we've been told many, many times, no, you cannot. So with something like a union, we'd be able to have more bartering powder for something that would keep us safer at our location. And I know mm-hmm. some um, partners have even put in their letters stuff like safer parking, safer commutes, safer... Um, ways to navigate the store. Safety is a big concern for a lot of people. Um, And also just things like COVID policy, sick policy, you know, how call outs are treated. Um, It's so hard to call out, especially as a shift supervisor holding keys. I mean, you are treated extremely poorly if you take a day off for yourself. What's a, what's a, do you mean like call out like sick? Yes. Okay. 
yeah, and stuff like that can be navigated better with a union rather than just us saying, you know, like, hey, I need to take a day off, please don't be mean to me over it. You know, we could have some sort of bargaining power that would protect us from things like getting written up for calling up sick. Right. Or going to a court hearing. Yeah, or going to a court hearing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Those are, those are all like really great demands. And I think it's always really great to, you know, highlight just like that, you know, it's like protection all around for workers. And, you know, there's a lot that you can do uh, situation wise with, you know, unions as well, even more than just mm-hmm. that. So it's cool to hear like the national and, you know, local strategy on that level. Cause it would be a really, it's a really big win for the labor movement to have, you know, Starbucks workers, you know, um, all unionize them within the labor. Do you see like within labor movement too? And this is, and you know, I, labor movement is basically rising from the ashes, like the literal rubble that was like stamped yeah. out of everyone, like from the 20th century. Right. It's kind of like building it from scratch again. Um, yeah. And so I guess, do you, can you like envision that, you know, if like the, you know, American workers uh, continue uh, unionization at an increasing rate, um, there's like, you know, on the national level, there's also uh, political power involved with that too. I mean, is there any vision of like maybe, you know, with let's say like Starbucks, Amazon, you know, a lot of uh, other uh, workers in America are organized. Is there like a idea where maybe, you know, workers can then cohesively like maybe like do a, uh, you know, strike for maybe like demands for like the actual, you know, U.S. government itself. Right. Or like, you know, to maybe, you know, stop some maybe threaten labor to withhold maybe like if we threaten to go to war or something like that, too, because that's one of the big in my mind, like that's like one of the Mm -hmm. big issues with, you know, protests that we have now is that there's no real leverage um do you see like the labor movement uh, being like a path for um you know like leverage within like the national realm in that sense too i'm curious to hear your thoughts yeah definitely we've already found success even just on with in the starbucks level with striking and striking works um we had some partners in elmwood one of the first stores to well the first store to win their union um hold a strike for five days over COVID Mm -hmm. regulations. And in response, Mm, the company uh, rolled out an entire new list of COVID regulations. And they will obviously, uh, yeah, nationally. Wow. And they will say it's not because of the strike, but it was a hundred percent because of the strike. Yeah. That's amazing. The, uh, Um, the, the just heroic bravery of the people in that store having just like won this, union no contract just saying no this is what we did this for uh we're not coming to work until you fix this shit absolute heroes it's it's insane it's really incredible and you know i would love to leverage that power um not only within Starbucks, but outside of Starbucks as well, you know, as this movement continues to grow, I think that labor is the one thing that we can as a you know, working class body that we can withhold that will get people to listen to us. Mm. Uh, Because when you shut down the economy, I mean, that's when people listen to you. And um, workers are really the only subsection of people that can make that happen on a big scale. So I would love to continue to bring strikes to the table to get demands met um, with Starbucks. If contract negotiations go south, we have that completely on the table. Um, And I think whatever we can accomplish on 
and within this movement will only continue to inspire others outside of the movement to continue to um, do similar things. Hell yeah. Love that. That's so awesome. Well, it's, it's all, it's all very exciting stuff. Um, you know, we are obviously, you know, rooting for you really hard. Oh yeah. On the subject of contract negotiations, as far as we understand, it sounds like um, Starbucks has now acquiesced to opening negotiations with at least one of the uh, Buffalo units. Mm-hmm. Do you know any more about that? And if that's the case, like what what does that signal to you? Because you know, it, a another common union busting tactic is just to stall forever. Uh, make up all kinds of reasons not to enter negotiations, try for, you know, go through the NLRB for years uh, suing to invalidate the election in the first place. If, you know, if they're negotiating the contract, that means they've, you know, they're not doing that. Uh, So what does that mean from your perspective watching out here from uh, your store? Uh, I definitely think that um, I think the kind of general consensus and mood is that we're distrustful of their reasoning for negotiations. We don't really think for a second they're going to do this in good faith. Mm. Um, So it's like, cool, they're coming to the bargaining table. But like, why? And what are they going to actually do? Because, you know, if they make a good contract, that's just going to incentivate more people to unionize. If they, you know, leave us in limbo and draw it out within negotiations and say like, hey, even if you do make it to this phase, like you're not going to get anything. We kind of think it's maybe that angle, but we're curious to see how it proceeds. Negotiations, I believe, open today. Okay. So we should we are watching very closely to see what goes on. Um, but I really, I don't know. They have to bend eventually is how I feel. The perfidious and wily corporate exec wheels within wheels are always turning. Uh, you you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. never trust them. Yep. Yeah. Um, so what is the next step in, uh, your units, uh, your locations, uh, union drive here? Do you have a date for an election? Uh, we do not. We are currently waiting on the results of our hearing. Our hearing started on the 12th and took about right. a week. And then we have about like, uh, you know, two to three weeks out to wait. Um, so we're assuming within the next week or so, we're going to get that election date. Um, we're, we should be part of the kind of the next wave of stores that gets those rolled out. Um, assuming um, that Starbucks does not try to litigate us further, mm-hmm. um, which is always, I, always an option. So it'll be another uh one of these days with multiple stores probably because the nlrb sets the dates basically right yeah okay awesome um how much communication are you having with all these other stores around uh the country that are unionizing that are organizing for this um yeah what's what's the vibe and what's the like are you or people from your store reaching out to other starbucks stores that haven't announced yet uh, like maybe people, you know, in other stores or other States, are you trading tips with, uh, other stores or, you know, war stories in solidarity? Like tell, tell us about that dynamic around the country right now. Yeah. So we have various group chats that we have a, a national group chat with, um, union leaders, um, from everywhere that we all share. And then we have one how it's getting Seattle. roasted in the group chat. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Always. <laughs> um, 
And so we have a lot of stores in Seattle. There's three of us that have currently announced. Um, we just had mm-hmm. two that announced on Tuesday. What are the other two? Um, remind me. Uh, Fifth and Pike and Westlake Drive Through. And but there we are in talks with um, many stores. Yes, we all are totally in communication, and um, we have a lot of Starbucks stores that haven't announced yet, but are within the process of doing so. So we're really excited mm-hmm. about that. Um, but yeah, it's nice. I mean, I joined the national group chat when there was only like 10 of us and now there's like 30 growing, blowing um, up, blowing up, but it's just so cool to see. And so cool to see, um, just like all these different places on the map light up and to get to meet people to match those places. So is there any kind of either, um, less formally in just these group chats or directly with, uh, from like centralized through Starbucks United, is there an effort to recruit uh, members, uh, baristas in the stores that are organizing to uh, recruit uh, other contacts they have in other stores, in other places, friends, family members, uh, former uh, Starbucks co-workers? Is there anything like that, like in an organized way going on? Not in an organized way. I really think it's just fueled by individual people's passions and individual people's connections. Just, you know, individual people saying, hey, this is what we're doing at my store. Like, do you want to come do it at yours? Or like, you know, hey, I know Mm -hmm. people who work at this store. Like, let's talk to them. Like, how's their pulse at? Do they want to unionize? Can we give our resources to them? And I think it's just really individual people coming across together over the country to connect with one another and share that passion that is um, pulling it forward. Um, really what Workers United has said is that we are leading this movement. They're just kind of along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's fantastic. Well, yeah. So I mean, like, you know, truly an inspiration, um, like pure, like solidarity, uh, you know, with you and all of the workers at Starbucks. Um, and you know, I was actually thinking, the other day is like, and I, we exist on Twitter. We like rot, me and Greg, like rot our brains on Twitter every day. And, um, he kind of like gives us, okay, cool. So, I mean, there you go. More solidarity than, uh, <laughs> poster solidarity. Uh, um, but like, you know, I think it's like a good, uh, you know, temp check on just kind of where zeitgeists are. And like one thing that I've mm. like noticed, especially with, you know, cause like, again, like kind of like what I mentioned earlier is that this is all, very new, especially for, you know, younger people. Like I think that maybe uh, your grandparents might remember a time when, you know, America was like pretty, you know, unionized and like, Mm -hmm. you know, consumers and, or, you know, uh, people trying to express solidarity, uh, you know, uh, knew kind of what to do in some respects. But I think now there seems to be some assumptions of like how, what is the best way to help. And I think like a lot of knee jerks are to like, uh, when the unionizing is happening, like to boycott, um, you know, the, uh, store and, you know, which like is a strategy in some respects, but sometimes it's not also right. Sometimes it actually kind of hurts like union organizing in a way I've, I've seen. So, um, I guess like how can people like best, um, support, uh, you know, this like union drive, like what, what is, a uh, if, if anything, like what can uh, people do to show express solidarity and, uh, support? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, to that I would say, like, absolutely don't boycott us. Please come in. Um, if you live in the Capitol Hill neighborhood, um, please come say hello. Um, the more people that show up in person that say, hey, we see you, we support you, 
the more that Starbucks sees, you know, this is a community that's going to stand behind us. And Mm -hmm. there's nothing this company cares more about than its image. And it's really the only thing that they care enough about that I think eventually might kind of get us to win this is if there's overwhelming public support and overwhelming public pressure. So the best thing you can do is tweet about us, tell your friends about Mm us, talk about us at work. Anything that you can do to spread the word that, hey, Starbucks workers are unionizing, Starbucks workers are part of a labor movement, go support it. The more people know that this is happening, the more they pressure Starbucks with their public voices that, you know, hey, we see you, we do not condone union busting, we support your workers, then this that's just more fuel for our fight. And it's going to be even easier for us to eventually win contract negotiations, um, which is going to be a really hard fought battle. Totally. Show your face, people, people in Seattle come through. Broadway and Denny. Broadway and Denny. Yeah. See, I mean like this is the first, this is the first, um, this is the first time you can actually be a customer and like say your name. That's not your name and actually make it be cool and not some cringe stuff, you know, like say your name (laughs) is like union strong or something. And they, you know, when they call it out (laughs) instead of the typical Merry Christmas, what that you get, uh, (laughs) attack helicopter, Merry Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) We have, um, we have a wall that like, we have like a little column in the middle of our store that we, um, every single day we get um, little chits that say like union strong or vote yes. And we put them up on our board and every single day our manager takes them down and every single day we put them back up. So um, as long as people continue to give us uh, ones to put back up, we're good. <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's so beautifully petty. I love it. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. I'll put this back up every day. <laughs> that's safe. That's being in a union. Super exciting to hear all of this. Um, I mean, you know, we're waiting with bated breath for the Seattle elections. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, all the solidarity and uh, props to all of you guys for getting for up real. there and doing so this So inspiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Do you, yeah, before I mean, we leave, do you have uh, anything that you'd want to plug? Like any personal plugs or any, you know plugs in general uh yeah you can follow me on twitter it's at soviet minds uh that's my handle i use it for everything Uh, (laughs) thank you (laughs) um so so you say you were sympathetic to the idea of a union i i I (laughs) yeah just a little bit (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah you can follow me on twitter uh we're mutuals i think um yep so yeah, thank you so much for coming on. You know, if you're listening out there uh, around the country in a Starbucks store, just know that um, all all the thousands of listeners to this podcast are behind you. Uh, we're there. We're sending in those um, uh, Union Strong tickets and uh, uh, maybe talking, maybe like weirdly wanting to talk your ear off about it, like with a line of five people behind you um like not really exactly making eye contact but taking up a lot of your time <laughs> yeah uh that's us oh and oh, Cindy, oh one yes. one one more thing before we go uh, like if any you might have listeners who are listening and wondering like hey i want to now unionize 
my workplace, even if it might not be Starbucks, like maybe this is like the first time that's really idea has crystallized. Like where, where can someone start if they want to start, um, you know, organizing for union? Yeah. So first off, if you just want to talk unions, want to know what it's like, want to know what unionizing could look like for you, please reach out to me. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, also just reach out to Workers United. I have never met people who are more responsive. I mean, these people got to our email in days, like less than a day. And I cannot imagine how many emails they get and they're awesome. Um, and they would love to talk to you and would love to talk about how to organize your workplace. And the time is now. So do it. Awesome. The time Love to is hear that. fucking now. It's now. All right. Sydney, this has been rad. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, good luck out there, everybody. Awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thank you again to uh, Sydney Durkin, no relation. Uh, <laughs> for uh, I mean that we know of I mean that we should have yeah, asked hey, um, you know. <laughs> for coming on uh, I'm certain everyone enjoyed that um, you know uh, we'd also like to thank uh, some of our newest patrons yes uh, some of the the brave new souls who are engaging in uh, intellectual discourse warfare on our discord are getting a whole extra episode a week uh, when we feel like it that, uh, you know, is just filled with a great content. I mean, last week's Patreon episode where we read that uh, article in the Seattle Times about how like about a restaurant fucking uh, boutique restaurant owners uh, whining and whinging, <laughs> crying and bitching about how the, they had to come into work and uh, they're getting 30 instead of a hundred fucking resumes. Um, so they feel like, uh, giving someone a job isn't the same favor it used to be. So really they're just not going to do it. Um, that was, I think we had fun with that episode. Yes. Monia, yeah, don't yeah, you agree? That was awesome. That I was think so everyone cool. Who heard it felt like their $5 a month was well spent. Very much. So, I mean, you know, well, you're going to spend that. I mean, like now you can actually spend that on the, the Starbucks latte at, at specific stores. Uh, we're not going to discourage that now, but, you know, it's also a good way to spend five dollars a month. Yeah, absolutely. Some of those people who no doubt uh, enjoyed that episode very much are Chris, Rhett, Boldfield, Eric, Le Downtown Carpenter hey. and Joey. Let's go. My gosh, I love that. Welcome yeah, we to the a, fold. Yeah, we're, we got a bun- bunch of new patrons. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, also, you know, uh, all of you, are, what am I saying? All of you are, have already been enjoying a third episode almost every <laughs> week in uh, the incredible series from Brian and Munya, Ending the Myth, which I am very much enjoying myself. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Greg. Yeah, I mean, ending the myth, we are just doing a survey of American history. Uh, you know, hilariously, we um, have been following uh, Greg Grandin's book, um, the fantastic book, uh, The End of the Myth. Uh, half of our episodes, we've actually been going a little deeper and going off of the narrative of even expanding a little more to get a broad survey of American history. So right now we've got at the turn of the 20th century 
just getting into the Great Depression. Um, you know, for me, this is it means a lot because I feel like, you know, if you've gone to school in the U.S., um, uh, teachers, I think, and just like curriculum have, at least in my experience, made it so that they made American history the most boring thing in the world and just kind of ruined it, you know, for, for us. And so it's kind of like, I think that is actually um, a very uh, fascinating survey. So I promise you, um, it's not going to be like if you had a bad experience with U.S. history and just kind of like the most like trivial facts uh, that were kind of coming out about um, the greatest country uh, in the yeah, history of the, the world, the greatest f- the country in the world who fought for democracy. their freedom in 1776, and you know had this brave revolution. Um, yeah, I mean, like I, I think that. Uh, American history is actually extremely interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, we, and it's not really told and evil. Exactly. <laughs> and bad. Yeah, you know, and Bunya, so, before I started listening to your podcast, ending the myth, I thought America was good. I know yeah. I've since been radicalized. Well, I mean, there you go. And that's just like one of many testimonials we were getting about ending the myth. So, Hey, listen to ending the myth. Start hating America. Um, and you can also uh, read along uh, with us um, using Greg Grandin's book, The End of the Myth. If you do not uh, have Greg Grandin's book and you don't want to buy it, uh, you could shoot us an email and we can show you different solutions on, you know, alternative ways to obtain it. Uh, we promise, uh, you know, Greg Grandin, if you're listening to this, uh, you know, cover your ears. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a fun to read along, but you also don't have to read along either. You can just listen to the episodes, um, you know, coming out every Sunday. Yeah, uh, check that out. It's very good. Okay, thanks, everybody. Uh, good night. Good night. Good night.